Care Carnival adult beverage. We have you covered there too. Just ask about craft beers, wine selections, or one of our signature cocktails for a small charge. Check out the Sky Magazine in your seat pocket for a full list of products offered on today's flight. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the remainder of our two-hour and five-minute flight to Minneapolis. How prepared are you for the fair? I'm really unprepared, and I'm kind of feeling... Can you like, describe your unpreparedness? Even though you made me... You've been lecturing me for weeks on what I needed to be prepared. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, bring elastic waistband pants and all of this stuff. And then I showed up, and I had no elastic waistband pants. And it's raining. And I also have no appropriate rain footwear. I did tell you it was going to rain. Yeah, I know. Do you have the tickets? Yes. We have the tickets. We're leaving kind of early because I want to go see Rabbit Show, which is when people show rabbits. Rabbit showmanship. <laughs> which I have to say, I'm clearly it is part of the Minnesota State Fair, but it is not a part of the Minnesota State Fair that I have experienced, despite the fact that I used to show with the animal stuff. You didn't stick around for the rabbits? No. Once the horses were done, we left. Like I said, I... Rabbit showing is weird to me because um, they don't even really, like, stand, so... I don't know. That YouTube video we watched was pretty fantastic. It was pretty fantastic. Jane, we also have with us an award-winning artist <laughs> from the fair. Um, what ribbons did you win this year? I won... First for a box that I did for a needlepoint box, and I won a third for a big portrait, and then I won a fifth for something else. My well, the chances of the my first place were enhanced by the fact it was the only entry in the category. Yeah, but you still entered. Yeah. So you won. Yeah. Yeah. Um. We, today, Lindsay, you're also sad because there's something that's not going to be there today. Oh my gosh! <laughs> also, we should say that this is the second time we're talking about the fact that the cheese curds, the cheese curd booth, is not going to be there. So this isn't even my initial reaction of horror. <laughs> no, it isn't. Okay, yesterday on the plane, you mentioned between the time we got to the airport and boarded, cheese curds... I don't think I'm exaggerating to say you brought them up on three separate occasions in conversation. Like, apropos of basically nothing. <laughs> but I think it 
thank you for getting that on my office door. I have all those postcards, and one of them says cheese curds, and it's a <laughs> photograph from the Minnesota State Fair. And now the the cheese curd booth apparently. We actually probably could look this up on the interwebs. But my mom said that the person who owned the cheese curd booth is no longer living. And then there was like a lease dispute. And now apparently there's some like bacon on a stick thing there. And we can go give them shade because I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they're going to be good. The Both the bacon on a stick and also... Aren't there replacement curds? Well, there are uh, there are multiple places you can get cur- cheese curds at the state fair, but there's like the one place you should get them, and now that one place doesn't exist anymore. And so, you know, the world should just explode tomorrow because nothing matters anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. I'm kind of interested in the Memphis tachos because I seriously doubt. I'm curious about their uh, provenance. <laughs> They're super authentic. I do. We, I feel like you need to keep track of how much Southern home food. I've been trying made. to like catalog it because last night. Well, I do find it really interesting that the Minnesota State Fair is where Paula Dean seems to be making her comeback this year. Because mm. you know, and then in y'all's little thing, it says Paula Dean, who's best known for her show on the Food Network. And I was like, is that what she's best known for? <laughs> well, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure there. She's figured out a few other things to be known for in the last few years. Yeah. She's got to come here where y'all don't remember as well. But, you know, in the Minnesota nice thing, we just want to let people just kind of get that under the rug, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I didn't know that. I don't they... think that, like, the Alabama State Fair would have her. Yeah. I don't think the Georgia State Fair would have her. Yeah. Truthfully, I think they would kind of be like, I don't know, Paula Dean. Like, yeah, that is interesting. Like, I guess I, well, one, I think you've been perusing that schedule much more carefully than I have. That's why we're going to a rabbit show right now. That is why it's, like, <laughs> before 8 a.m. on a weekend, and we're, like, already dressed and are about to get dropped off to go look at some rabbits. Um, but, yeah, that is interesting. Like, who regionally is ostracized and who isn't, and who can bring their regionalism to a new place, and that somehow makes them seem authentic. Yeah. I think that's right. right. Yeah. Six weeks earlier. Why is the Minnesota State Fair so great? Every reason, I guess. I mean, it's known as the great Minnesota get-together, right? So, 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 so many people from Minnesota and also Wisconsin come and it has everything about the Midwest, which is best, and even more. And also, you can get anything you want on a stick. What's your favorite part of the state fair? Um, I think it has to be a toss-up, maybe, between going to Sweet Martha's Cookies and getting a literal bucket full of cookies, and then walking over to the milk booth, where you can buy a cup of refillable milk. An endless cup of milk to eat the cookies with. So that would be one contender. The other contender is watching the butter carving artists carve busts of the women who won the State Fair beauty pageants. Wait, what? 
So there's a beauty pageant that crowns Princess K of the Milky Way. And I believe it's a beauty pageant only for the daughters and relatives of dairy farmers from Minnesota. And every day of the state fair, one of the women in the court goes into a refrigerated rotating booth, all dressed up in her crown with her makeup done and has a parka on because it's cold. And then an artist carves her face in a giant block of butter. But why does she have to be in the refrigerated booth? So that everyone can see them carving. I don't know. It doesn't, but couldn't the artist just be in the refrigerated booth with the butter? I think they both have to be in because it rotates so you can see kind of all aspects of the artist. So if only the art- artist was rotating, you know, he or she would be kind of getting whiplash looking around to try and see the stationary Princess K. What's the most famous food at the state fair? I would say a pronto pup which is different in important ways from just a regular corn dog. And Prano Pups are kind of the Minnesota State Fair delicacy, along with cheese curds. So Prano Pup has batter made from flour, not from corn, so it tastes different. And any Minnesotan will know the difference. What's the dog? It's just a hot dog. <laughs> so really, it's a minor difference, but... Like, if you're trying to test someone's Minnesota street cred, they better know what the difference between a prano pup and a corn dog is. I grew up as the third generation on my family's dairy farm outside of St. Peter, Minnesota. Growing up, I showed cats as a 4 at my county fair since I was a Cocoa, and later right here at the Minnesota State Fair. I always enjoy my time not only showing right here in the ring, but also connecting with other 4-H'ers from across Minnesota. I hope that all the competitors today have had an awesome time, and I hope that you take some time to congratulate the others in your class and really make connections with everyone here today. I'd also like to invite everyone, if they get a chance, to come up to the Dairy Building at the corner of Judson and Underwood. There is some butter sculpting going on this afternoon, and you can also see my completed butter sculpture along with Margaret's completed butter sculpture. I'm now going to let Margaret introduce herself to everyone. Good luck today, everyone, and congratulations.
Welcome back to About South. Thanks. <laughs> um, how's your year away from About South been? I feel like I've thought a lot more about blue crayfish randomly than I would have otherwise. We have also now returned from the Minnesota State Fair. Yes. The best place on earth. It was. A, it, I have to say you're right. It's amazing. Nothing about our prior conversations. I mean, you kind of undersold it. I can't believe I do because it's kind of, I feel like it's a joke that I talk about the Minnesota State Fair all of the time and people that haven't known me for very long at some point will hear about how much I love the Minnesota State Fair. So I was really worried that you would think it was not that cool because I had talked it up so much because it is so amazing. So it's kind of interesting that you thought it was even better than I had described. It was definitely better. That's awesome. It is enormous. Yeah, it is really big. There's a lot going on at the great Minnesota get-together. <laughs> State fairs are by nature incredibly regionally particular. But they're also, I think they're kind of the same format everywhere. Yeah. Like, there's nothing exceptional about one state fair versus another. It's just, they're all particular. The cheese curds are exceptional at the Minnesota State Fair. Oh my god, you ate so many cheese curds. I still, I have told everyone I've seen who's asked me, even people who don't know you, I'm like, Lindsay Eckert can eat a shocking number of cheese curds. Yeah. I mean, they're good, but like, I could not, I could not believe how many cheese curds you ate. Yeah, I feel like I'm just partially now made of cheese curds. I ate ate more than I thought I would eat, and even though I kind of felt gross at the end, it was totally worth it. It was totally worth it. And I feel like the next morning, had there been an option to have cheese curds for breakfast, I would have had cheese curds for breakfast. If there were cheese curds here right now, how many do you think you could eat? A bucket? We didn't get that giant plastic bucket of them. We just got the little size. I feel like I could make But a- we got three little-sized ones over the course of the day, of which I ate about three-quarters of one. Yeah. And then I did one for the team, because you can't waste cheese curds. They're too delicious. Interestingly, even though we didn't see her there, Paula Dean was making a guest appearance at the Minnesota State Fair. Yeah. Like, what? How is that okay? Well, yeah, because I think that a lot of us remember that Paula Dean was sort of appropriately dismissed from the Food Network for her casual racism. And I feel like if she showed up at the Georgia State Fair, people would still remember that right now. But it kind of seemed like maybe Paula Dean is relaunching her career from the value-neutral space of Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, that's a, and that surprises me that they, and you know, I don't know about the fair organizers, but yeah. I mean, it's funny, didn't we see in the program, it was like m- most well-known for 
her time on the Food Network, and then you were joking that maybe that's not quite true. Yeah, I don't consider that's what she's most well known for at this point. Right now. I mean, no one would have cared or been surprised about... I don't understand why people were surprised that Paula Deen has casual racism, because... I say has it, like it's like a purse, or like a disease, which maybe it is. But like, I was never surprised, but I was surprised that she is making this recovery in her career and that that recovery involved the Minnesota State Fair. I feel like the Midwest seems kind of more neutral in, in a way, as a more neutral category. You know, like, oh, I'm from the Midwest. That, or, you know, I, I love the Midwest. I'm a proud Midwesterner. I think seems maybe differently charged in some ways than... I'm a proud Southerner, and, you know, particularly now in our political climate, what are people seeing that as shorthand for? I mean, this is a constant frustration, right? Like, who gets to co-opt patriotism? Who gets to co-opt regionalism? You know, who who are co- who is getting to co-opt these categories so that if you do say, hey, I'm a proud Southerner, whatever that means, or I'm a proud Georgian, what people might associate that with. I feel like if I say I'm a proud Minnesotan, people probably aren't reading politics. Maybe they might say, oh, Minnesota's blue, and that might be on the undercurrent. But if I say I love Minnesota, people, it's like, oh, you like lakes, lutefisk, cheese curds, and probably get a lot of mosquito bites in the summer. Right. If I say I love the state of Alabama, yeah, I think it sounds different. Yeah. And I do love the state of Alabama. I mean, but not, I don't think I love it in the way that it sounds like. Yeah, and I do think it's that co-opting. So if I'm traveling internationally and people ask me where I'm from, I feel less sheepish a lot of the time saying I'm from Minnesota than saying I'm from America or Mm. I'm from the U.S. That Because... Minnesota seems more neutral to me. It somehow seems, if we're talking about quarantining problems, I think sometimes I maybe idealize Minnesota's more neutral status. I mean, not. I mean, obviously there is lots of activism happening and lots of problems in Minnesota too. So I don't mean to again just kind of give Minnesota a free pass as if it's not doing anything or hasn't done anything, either good or bad. But I feel like on the national stage or in an international stage, it's less kind of like, ooh, that sounds complicated than Mississippi or Alabama or... Right. Or even just America in general, depending upon what the political climate of the U.S. is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was harder to live abroad when Bush was in office. If we're thinking, you know, when I lived in England and that was the case, versus living in Canada when Obama was in office. sitting down this evening because 
the first time we talked about the fair, we were a little bit in like coming down off of our cheese curd high and our cookie and milk fog and also all the rabbits. I mean, we had had a really great time. Yeah, it was good. And it was super nostalgic for me because, you know, anyone that knows me for five minutes probably hears about how much I love the state fair. And I hadn't been in, I don't know, a decade almost. And it was this thing that I held up and my memory is awesome and home. And then I went back and it was awesome and home. And the cheese curds were just as wonderful as I had remembered. But then we were talking about how the Midwest as opposed to the South as a category seems more neutral or somehow less politically charged. But it seemed, and then, then we had to think. And then I frantically texted you. Yeah, because we had said, like, if someone says they're from the South, there's a whole host of associations that get put on that. And if someone says they're from the Midwest, there's usually not those same, like, there doesn't always seem to be that category of stuff that just gets lumped onto that assertion. Yeah, and I talked about that when I lived abroad, it was easier for me, it felt safer in some ways to say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm American, I'm from the Midwest. But I would often say I'm from the Midwest or I'm from Minnesota rather than I'm American because I felt in some ways less ashamed. This was during the George Bush years? Yeah, this is during the yeah. George Bush years. Um, or that, that yeah, again, that seemed somehow more neutral. But. but then, okay, so after we had that conversation where we sort of were talking through why the Midwest feels more neutral... Um, you texted me with kind of some interesting reflections on, like, how, after thinking about that, like, that's crap. Yeah, it is crap. And particularly, when I was thinking about, I mean, this is terrible, but the, like, Philando Castile shooting was by the police department that was my home police department, right? It's the St. Anthony Police Department, and I went to St. Anthony Village Public High School, and it was that police force that ran the D.A.R.E. program about telling us not to do drugs and we had little baseball cards of all the police officers and would see them around and talk to them and it was, you know, seemed really good and safe and then there's a shooting that happens and it's like, yeah, no, that is the Midwest too. Right. right. And that's not as like an, uh, it's not like an apologia for the South. It's not the narrative to say like, oh, things are bad everywhere, therefore the South is not as bad as you think. But it's recognizing that those patterns of oppression and violence, like, it's a national problem. Yeah, and it's, I think it's easy to, to regionalize it, right? Like, this is the historical site of racism is only the South, right? I mean, I think that's an easy narrative that is ignorant in a lot of ways, but one that is maybe also sometimes simplistic to deploy in order to ignore other terrible aspects of other regions in the country. Yeah, that I mean, and that the the politics is the same. I mean, it's it's different in a way. Like regional, all of these like kitschy regional things. I think this is maybe what John Smith was thinking about when he was on the show a yeah. few weeks ago. That there's all these ways that people express pride in some sort of generic concept of region that allows them to ignore a whole host of, like, other problems that go into, like, making that regional identity. And this is something I remember 
um, when we were very worried that Donald Trump was going to win the election, turns out that was um, not a invalid worry. And you had encouraged me that we were going to drive to Canada. And I said, I'm also skeptical of the deep north. Oh, yeah. And I've been thinking about that because um, my friends that we saw while we were in, in, in Minneapolis recommended this podcast um, called um, In the Dark about the Jacob Wetterling case in Minnesota. Yeah. And I said, wow. I said, you know, that show is what, like, it's, it is such a deep north narrative, mm-hmm. right? Where these sort of politics of, like, kind of, oh, nothing bad ever happens here, golly gee, just allows, like, all of this incompetence and um, silence and brushing under the rug because everyone's, like, too afraid to, like, not be a nice town. Yeah, no one wants to not embrace the Minnesota nice tagline, right? Everyone wants to think that they are Minnesota nice and you don't want to do anything to disrupt that. And part of that, you know, is denial of structural problems, the social problems that plague the U.S. throughout. To bring in a state fair metaphor, actually, that I was thinking after I texted you and was like, oh no, I was high in the cheese curds, wait a second, was that it's like the prano pup versus the corn dog. Right, which is the big Minnesota difference, right? Where you have a corn dog with the cornmeal breading on the outside, and then the Minnesota State Fair specialty, which is the is the Prano Pup, with has flour batter on the outside, which kind of tastes more cakey. And that's like a big Minnesota pride thing that makes us different and better. But it's a it's a hot dog on a stick, covered in some you know it's it's you bite into it and it's the same core. Yeah. God, that's a good metaphor. <laughs> I mean, it's right, that's right, though. You know, like, it's thinking about when one region's problems become an apologia for another region that it doesn't have to address its own problems, mm-hmm. I think that that still just kind of lets these national power dynamics around race and class and gender, it just lets them all off the hook. Right? Because it keeps everyone pointing their fingers at each other without thinking about, no, we share these problems. Well, again, that is like going back to those t shirts that we saw when you're talking about how interestingly politicized the space the state fair actually was. And all those t shirts that we saw with, you know, Minnesota in blue and the surrounding actually Midwest in red. And the Minnesota thing was, hey, it's not our fault. Pointing to, Trump and all of that stuff, but again, that's a skewing a, a rural and urban political divide, and also a lot of racism and again oppression that's happening within that blue state. Where yeah, no, there are a lot of things that are our fault in there too. So again, it's that pointing outward, not a reflection in. Yeah, exactly, or a reflection at how small the margin in reality was yeah I think it would have been interesting if we had I mean we were only there one day if we had been there two days I think because I needed to experience it because it's just an overwhelming display of Minnesotan but 
after day one, when I, when, I was going to say when I had eaten all the cheese curds, but really, like, <laughs> you have, once you had finished all the cheese curds at the Minnesota State Fair. All of them. All of them. I would have liked to um, go and talk to the people at the political action booths. Like, all of them, right? There was the Make America Great Again booth. There was the Black Lives Matter booth. There was, like, kind of the Don't Blame Us, like, Minnesota Democratic Party booth. And just ask them all, like, how they feel about their political stances in relationship to their Minnesotan identity. Yeah. You know what this means. We have to go back next year. We do. We do. More in-depth reporting. I feel like your father, the investigative reporter, would be really proud if we did that. I think he definitely would be, and I think my mom would be really happy just to see us again. I love the Minnesota State Fair. I cannot wait. I mean, but... You but have do you have to do some cheese curds push-ups beforehand so you could, like, amp up your cheese consumption for when you get there? Because I feel like, I mean, it was a rookie first try with the cheese curds, but I really did, I, I, it was a little bit disappointing, frankly. There, I just don't see how, I mean, when I go home to North Carolina, I solely eat biscuits, bacon, and cheese. That's all I live on. That is like, unless it's summer and I eat vegetables. But if I go in the winter, it is a purely biscuit, bacon, cheese experience. And so I don't, like, I don't know how I, I just had like an arrogance that I somehow was going to be like overly prepared to eat fried food. And I just was like, no, I can't, I can't keep up. Like, what are y'all doing? This is wrong. This is wrong. What you're doing here is wrong. Maybe. I think they are white cheddar. I reflected on it. I ate some white cheddar curds. Not yeah. fried. Yeah, because you thought that they were mozzarella. They taste like mozzarella. Mm, no. They don't taste like yellow cheddar, though. No, it's milder. Yeah. Because, you know, in Wisconsin, they, I think they use yellow cheese curds. Yeah. That's the most popular curd, is the cheddar cheese curd. The, the yellow cheddar. It's yeah. a little sharper. Yeah. You can get sharp white cheese, like white cheddar, but it's not, yeah, it's mild. And my mouth is actually watering right now. If there was some, like, metric that you could use to test how much my mouth is watering right now, I think everyone, including myself, would be embarrassed at the level. <laughs> I think you said this the last time. Oh, did I? Oh, God. Yeah, no, it's, can, this is, again, why we need to go back, not only for more in-depth reporting, but to see if I can eat more than... What, three servings of cheese curds? You ate two and a half, right? Easy no. to get to three. Yeah, because you ate, we got three, you ate all of yours, half of mine, and then basically another one. Yeah, I did. Okay, now, I don't know why we can't, every time we try to have this conversation, it just comes back to cheese curds. Yeah, and maybe the, maybe that is the answer to everything, is just... This is also what, like, John Smith was saying. That, like, food, we somehow believe that food is going to be some sort of, like, great equalizer that allows us to, like, acknowledge and, like, redress problems of structural racism and agricultural practices. But, like, frequently, food just allows us to be nostalgic for a region in a completely uninterrogated way. Yeah. Because food is easy. Yeah, it, t- it tastes like home. 
and it's easier to digest. <laughs> Indeed. Ba-dum. Ba-dum ching. Um, yeah, no, it's what we want to talk about when we talk about regionalism. We don't want to talk about police brutality and patterns of housing and rural and urban divides as manufactured as those may be in terms of politics. Like, that's the hard stuff about regions. It's easy to talk about barbecue and cheese curds. Yeah. A lot easier. Which is why I felt like the first time we had a conversation, obviously there's some substance there that I'm sure will make it into the (laughs) podcast. But yeah, it was a lot of those fuzzy rabbits and that good fried food. Yeah. And it was only... you know, after some distance from that deliciousness and that cuteness, that I was like, oh, wait, I fall into this trap that entire regions, like America generally falls into. Absolutely. Right? And that's, I guess that clearly is a weakness of myself, but again, indicates that it is really, it's easy to, to fall into that comforting narrative. That's our show this week. We'd like to extend a big thanks to Lindsay Eckert and the entire Eckert family for hosting us in Minneapolis. And I'd also like to thank my good friends Ruth and Bart for all of their Minnesota hospitality. About South is brought to you from the historic West End of Atlanta, Georgia. Kelly Vines is my co-producer along with Ajoa Danso. Lindsay Baker helps with social marketing, and Brian Horton supplies our music. You can find his music at brianhorton.com. You can find us at aboutsouthpodcast.com, and we're also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll be back next week talking to Carolyn Ware about Cajun Mardi Gras. It's going to be a fantastic episode full of a lot of great music, and you don't want to miss it. I'm Gina Kaysen, and we'll see you next week.